Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 301, and today we'll be talking about Monster Visit from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. So, ever topical, now that Summer Camp Island has released their second season on HBO Max, we're going back to the first half of the first season to discuss what I think is one of the ever-relevant episodes, Monster Visit. Monster Visit is a wonderful little story about telling your god monster that monsters suck and you don't want to be a monster. It's a timeless tale, as old as time tale timeless tales about monsters. Um <laughs> I think that this is less of a monsters suck and more there's no wrong way to be a monster. There actually I think this episode says there is a wrong way to be a monster and it's being a monster. This episode does not take a um any kind of monster is valid stance. It actually takes a Monsters as they used to be stink stance, which I uh, find interesting. Yeah, okay, I guess we can get right into my core takeaway. I think uh, something very important about this is we never actually see a monster acting monstrously genuinely. We have our monsters pretending to be monstrous to keep the god monster happy, and we have the god monster pretending to be monstrous to set a good example for our monsters. And she looks up to previous god monsters, but for all we know, they were just pretending to be monstrous for her benefit as well. Yeah, the family portraits on the wall definitely looked straight up evil, but I can believe that the same cultural expectations that weighed on Gone Monster might have uh, weighed on her ancestors as well. Although maybe they bought into it a little more than she ever did, but, you know, she kind of claims that she never enjoyed scaring children or doing any of the monster things. I just thought it was very relevant, the people pretending to be part of the dominant culture, in this case, monster culture, even though it doesn't make them happy, and in fact, they'd much rather do their own thing, just like our monsters happily do their own thing. They have a duplex, for crying out loud. (laughs) They even have a garage. I've never seen what they have in there, but they have it. I love our monsters. I love how much Oscar and Hedgehog are attached to them, and that as they were trying to escape on a rowboat, that they <laughs> were on the oars, up and down, through the waves, saying, we love you, we love you. I love when Summer Camp Island gets ooey-gooey in characters expressing how much they care about each other. And I just love how uh, how genuine they are. And, you know, but I like that the monsters, even though they also love Oscar and Hedgehog, were totally fine with leaving the island forever because of how much they did not want to deal with their god monster who truly truly had horrible things to say to them and you know i get that you know she was weighed by expectations of monsters but i mean why is your body different than i want it to be melvin that's pretty harsh (laughs) that was pretty on the nose i think yeah yeah, the other the other stuff in the episode was a little bit more subtle than that. That was just straight up, you know, come at me, bro. Yeah, I I think the message of the episode is very broad too in the different things like I don't know. The way monsters act don't really have a parallel to our world, but I think the way the monsters acting not as monsters have closer parallels like there's expectations of like some things monsters do are sort of like hyper-masculine. Some of them are just straight-up monstery because <laughs> they're like, you know, keep dirt yeah. under your nails. I don't know if that's a hyper-masculine thing. You know, people having expectations about your body, that applies to a lot of, a lot of people, you know. So I think it's, it's a good 
broad message. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's more about cultural expectations in general, not yeah. about any particular set. Yeah, which is sometimes specific specific specific. <laughs> I can't say it. Specificity, specific. Oh my goodness! You know, sometimes being specific, <laughs> sometimes being specific is good. But in this case, I think the message uh, the message works this way, and. Yet yeah, it's also really funny, like the way that they scheme, the way that Oscar and Hedgehog come up with a way to convince the god monster that our monsters are monsters is just so unbelievably goofy. The fact that they dress up, you know, in the god monster's words, like, um, and now I just forgot the god monster's words. Like they came <laughs> off of a cuckoo clock. Like they came off of a cuckoo clock, but to, yeah, they looked like they were off of a 17th century German fairy tale. like. I think <laughs> they, they're they also, it's not like the god monster could hear them, but they were really committing to talking like, yeah, <laughs> like it was a straight up, you know, Brothers Grimm fairy tale. So that was hilarious. That whole deception was just so ridiculous. I mean, when the god monster shows up to take Oscar at the beginning, you're like convinced that she saw through the deception. And was punishing them by taking Oscar away, but no, she she bought it hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, yes. And how could she not with Hedgehog saying wonderful lines like, heavens preserve me, as she falls. <laughs> that one really got me. And Oscar being unable to get out of his hosen. <laughs> he did get out of the hosen at the end, though. I love Oscar's dead eyes as they're, as they're skipping merrily forward <laughs> at first there. I mean, if I had been Godmonster, I'd have been like, no, you guys stay in here. There's something wrong about those kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I like that they dug into the ground and just got to the Godmonster's house that way. And that was just waved away. I, <laughs> I enjoy moments where it's like the writers have to go, well, how would they get there? And it's like, I don't know. They just dug there. That's fine. I mean, she's a hedgehog, not a groundhog. <laughs> I, yes, I love that they called it out, and I felt I felt called out because I thought I wouldn't have made that distinction. I would have just don't hedgehogs thought think? that hedgehogs could burrow, but I guess you know. I now I'm like I guess in Sonic the Hedgehog they never referenced his ability. I don't think he's ever had a digging ability in any of the games, and so I gained a new appreciation for how faithful they were to Sonic species. Hold on. I don't see any reference to burrowing or digging in the Wikipedia page. Yeah, do they just live in bushes or in camp houses? Yeah, I was going to say they might live in cabins. I, I I did really like God Monsters. Oh, yes, turn them into cookies. I definitely did that. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, she said it so straightforwardly. She may have even been like, it works both ways. She technically turned his likeness into cookies. I mean, just that whole scene, I'm expecting Hedgehog to eat the Oscar cookie, because I guess I've just been conditioned by Steven eating baby melon. You know. That is an appropriate way to pay homage to your fallen brothers. There was a lot of <laughs> that, like, comedic tension in my head, where I was like, is, is she going to eat the cookie, though? But actually, it was just played as straight-up heartbreak. We got to see what Hedgehog, how, how she would act if Oscar had died, or at least been cookied. And it was it was pretty sad, you know, but it was also framed in a sort of childish, a more childish way, not childish in a in a like um, belittling or critical way. But I just mean as her behavior is 
which is that she immediately frames it as a problem that's affecting her. Like she says, you know, what am I going to do now? Like she frames the loss as for her, but she's not as concerned. Like she doesn't say, I can't believe your cookies. I can't believe you're dead. You know, like it was definitely framed around her personal loss, which I found, you know, pretty, pretty accurate to a child's experience. They mean a lot to each other. Yeah. Well, it weirdly enough reminded me of like, I had seen a somehow documentary that talked about Sesame Street and they talked about like an episode where they had death in it and like Big Bird when someone died, they were Big Bird like only took it on. Of course, Big Bird's like three. I'm going deep into the lore of Sesame Street here. But anyway, Big Bird <laughs> also framed framed his experiences as, you know, what am I going to do now that Mr. Whoever's gone, whoever died in that episode? And it just struck me that I think they were aware of some child psychology there. And luckily, Oscar wasn't really dead. <laughs> because that would have been heartbreaking. I mean, Howard gets a little hardcore here. I mean, the, he gets that monstrous roar coming into his voice there. I mean, whoo. You know, the monsters, I can't believe it took Oscar dying, though, (laughs) for them to tell off their god monster, but at least they did, and they were truly angry, and they were truly sorrowful. When Oscar walks in, everybody's got a tear on their face. I am surprised that the god monster wasn't a little thrown off, though, when they did, you know, just suddenly enter her house, because she should have been like, oh no, Oscar might come back in, and then this whole ruse is up. But instead, it just kind of happens. Yeah, it's like, what are you dummies doing here? (laughs) Maybe she was just going to rush him out the back. But, you know, things got too emotional. Yeah, I mean, or maybe she wanted, maybe she wanted the same thing to happen, you know? Yeah, maybe she was secretly hoping that the ruse would be exposed. She did say it was exhausting to her. I still, this is like, this is a fairly, not morally complex, but just, it's situationally, the situation is complex. Morally rich. Yeah, like the fact that the god monster is performing in a way that she expects, but she actually, she can see the harm it's causing, right? It's like, why is she trying to impress, you know, people that clearly don't want to behave the way she's behaving? You know, it's funny that that's how imprinted the expectations are, that she thinks that it would actually benefit them or make them proud of her. You know, that that's how cultures are, I think. She may not enjoy doing it, but, you know, she's like, well, I, I can at least help them be proper monsters. You know, I can help them be proper members of monster society. And so that is the burden she was carrying, and now she doesn't have to. She can play croquet and say, hey, you play like an old lady. I love this. <laughs> I think since she said it's been her whole lifetime that she hasn't enjoyed scaring children that all the skulls around her house weren't hers but all those skulls mean somebody (laughs) somebody at some point who lived in that house liked scaring children and probably eating them but apparently not eating their bones but maybe licking them clean so i think monsters were still pretty monstrous maybe she bought them at the halloween store i you know in summer camp island maybe also the skulls are still alive even in summer camp island so yeah she had a one skull alarm. I mean, for all we know, that's a, a kid who died before he stopped calling her, and he's like, hey, magic. I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that would be really creepy if all Together the children that forever. she met grew up, died, and then their skulls came back rolling to her house. 
That's oh gosh, except she lives Oh no, she lives underground. They could be buried. They could seep through the dirt and then enter her house. There's something very morbid about that. Oh my. That that, that would be if she was also a witch. Thankfully she's just a monster, so I I'm guessing Halloween store for most of them. That one, maybe the security company. <laughs> yeah, I'll believe it. I'll believe that's the lore. I mean, what do you think a monster security company is going to install when you have them out to your monster house to install a monster security system? See, that's the beautiful thing about Summer Camp Island is you're saying this and nothing about that sounds like something that couldn't be in an episode. Like, there could totally be just monster branded everything (laughs) somewhere on this island or this world. Just just imagine Susie running a car rental place on the mainland somewhere, and she's like, yeah, I'm trying to rent you a broom. What's wrong with that? It's much more fuel efficient. You know, like, Susie has enough of being, she has, like, the con artist in her, but I feel like she doesn't have the patience to actually manage and run a car rental company. So I'm going to say, I don't, I don't buy that one. <laughs> but I, I do buy the monster, monster party store. Hey, 50-50 is not bad. I liked how God Monster takes that snake and wraps it, just she wraps it around her neck like a (laughs) shawl or something. I enjoyed how, I think it was, was it Howie who put the snake there, but also as he was throwing the dirt all over the couch, he was just so disgusted with himself. He's like, I can't believe monsters are like this. (laughs) I, I loved how they carefully covered the couch with the plastic before putting right. the dirt over, and then God Monster never calls them on it. No. It's just like, yeah, this is normal. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, I mean, of course they couldn't actually throw dirt all over their house, though. I mean, they, they, we just vacuumed. I'm gonna say, I also like the ambiguity of the ages of the monsters. Like, the fact that it's been a hundred years or something since they last saw uh, their God Monster, and the fact that one of them, as they're in, in the boat, just says, you know, describing the difficulty of leaving is like, this is just when I left my husband. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> you've had a husband and the husband's gone. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea how old they are. And she had a motorboat. Well, yeah, that time she had a motorboat. They should have kept that motorboat. I'm wondering, does this mean that the husband was wrapped onto the the propeller on the motorboat? Or does that mean that she was able to get away oh. from him faster? I think it meant that they were able to get away faster. I hope it doesn't mean that she murdered him with the propeller. No, no. I, I'm not thinking murder. I'm thinking oh. him just grabbing on and having a cartoonish, you know, as, the, as it spins through the water. Oh, right, right, right. Spinning. I, yeah, I think that would happen in, in Summer Camp Island's <laughs> world. <laughs> Right now I'm just imagining an alternate episode where the monsters really are nice, pleasant people, but they're also casual killers. <laughs> like, here's the thing. If, if if you marry any of them, that's when murder becomes a possibility, you know? They're chill with their friends and their acquaintances. Never let one of them take out a life insurance policy on you. <laughs> it's always... You know, and there's the, there you go. There's another business right next to the monster party store. How do you think they afforded the duplex? Yeah, it's just the monster life insurance policies. Yeah, someone's losing a lot of money writing those. (laughs) Anyway, guys, that's been us on Monster Visit from Summer Camp Island. Make sure you're checking out Season 2 on HBO Max. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. HBO Max, please give us money. Uh, And also, (laughs) if you are uh, 
podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com.